Elite Physique University, your source for all things physique enhancement. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to Elite Physique University. I'm John Gorman, your host. You got Jason Theobald in the house. Jason, what's going on, man? How are you? Going well. Um, recording at a bit, bit of a different day uh, today because um, of, of me getting ready to go out of town, but uh, I'm doing well, man. Yeah, so what is going on with you? What are you going out of town for? Um, so this is just a pleasure trip. Jeff Black's 40th. Um, nice. I'm pretty sure it's this weekend, actually, even though he had a soiree away from everything about two weeks ago, or maybe it was three now, but um, this is his actual 40th, I believe. So I'm heading in Thursday. Um, we'll get some training in at Iron House, and uh, I'm sure we'll get out one night, although I'm disappointed. I hear, like, the Broadway scene is all masks, and uh, I don't do masks. So I think, <laughs> <Tennessee>. <laughs> so yeah. I, I think we're going to be at, like, some other, like, little odd spot outside of the city um, where masks aren't required. So Yeah, well, that's cool. I mean, it's, and that's awesome you're going down there for the 40th. You guys will be busy all weekend, so you took a day off to recover. Um, make sure you take your antibiotic with you this time so <laughs> i will man they're gone I had, to, I had to get that dig in you're driving down right i guess yeah i'm drive. driving it's only like three and a half hours from uh from northern kentucky so i mean it's 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 easy man yeah cool well i i know uh the only real new thing with me or, or big that happened with me this week is uh i went ahead and made a side-by-side -side comparison my clients and Customer has been asking for a long time. What's the difference between, you know, first forms formula one and your brick by brick whey protein. And, you know, I, I sat on that for a long time, but it's, it's competition. This is business. And I just made a head to head comparison, the numbers, you know, I showed, I showed what the difference was between their two pounder and, and my two pounder. And it really kind of came out to where mine was $6 more affordable. We have free shipping. We had 110 more grams of protein in ours versus theirs. Uh, a, a lower ingredients list and it was it was a competitive thing it's numbers right never talked bad about them and I wasn't prepared for the way that things blew up because it's just that you know listen Coke and Pepsi do this Domino's and Pizza Hut do this saying Nintendo did it back in the day Xbox and PlayStation do it now it's competition it's good nature competition but it really blew up there was over 500 comments 50 shares I got over 100 messages in 24 hours and I thought man this is a uh, this is a pretty big deal because people are that passionate about the topic. So, you know, I'm not going to go into any of the bad stuff that happens. The only thing is, is when you make a post like that, you have to be responsible too for the comments that can be made by other people. So, you know, there's a lot of that stuff I kind of cringed and I thought, man, you know, maybe, maybe this isn't the best thing to post, at least not very often. So, you know, I learned a lot from it. I don't regret it. I do it again, but, um, you know, for a lot of people that were offended, you know, listen, this is competition. All right. It's, it's, it's what it is. It's numbers. So, um, I don't know. We'll see if I do that again in the future. I don't know. You, Jason, you know, we've talked about this behind the scenes. There's other products I can do, but you know, I think I'll let things die down for just a little bit. Yeah. I'm just going to chill out and go back to podcast mode. And uh, the thing about posts like that, they're great. I mean, for comparison, but then like you spend so much of your energy dealing with the comments that's where I'm just like, Oh I, yeah, I can't. It's like just too much. Yeah. I don't, I don't like drama. Um, it doesn't sit well in my stomach. I actually lose sleep over stuff like that because it affects other people that I'm friends with there. And it just, you know, it's one of those things I, I learned a lot from it, but I am, I'm glad I did it. Yeah. Um, 
Austin, we're going to get to an intro. We're going to have you introduce yourself here in just a second. But first of all, what's uh, what's new with you this week, man? Anything cool going on? No, not not really this week. I was telling you guys, turn 30 this week, big 30. So, uh, old man, which is kind of, yeah, which is kind of cool because, you know, I've known Jason, especially since I was about 18. Yeah. You know, to, I was to, your age. To, yeah, to date things a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But other than that, uh, not really, you know, have some people competing like shows and stuff, picking up a little bit more seminars, kind of resuming all that, uh, just nursing this shoulder, you know, issue and stuff back and trainings ramping up and stuff. Um, just been super duper busy, just like on work mode, kind of hadn't really had time to think about much else. So how's uh, how's business for both of you guys, if you don't mind, I know it's, for some reason, well, I, I know the reason. Um, Jason was after our seminar. I picked up quite a few, quite a few clients. You know, that was what ten days ago. Right. Quite a few clients, and the, and the supplement business is just. I mean, the post the other day led to a huge couple of days of sales. But that stuff's been real busy with me, and COVID's starting to kind of chill a little bit. Are you guys seeing the same thing? Are you seeing an uptick in business? Austin, what about you? Oh yeah, I to be completely honest, like I only really had maybe a month in there where things kind of, they didn't even really go backwards. They just kind of like flatlined, you know, for, there wasn't really anyone signing up just because I think people were not really sure what was going on. You know, gyms were closed and stuff. But as soon as people figured out like, uh Oh, if I just sit at home and do nothing, that, that's not really going to work, you know? So the people started to sign up even with the gyms being closed. Uh, and then since things have opened up, it's just gotten, busier and busier since then which is cool um no complaints yeah what about you jay so like in covid my business went way up because <laughs> i yeah. do a lot of healing and stuff so it was a like, perfect time for people and then now that shows have dropped off like i had a bunch of people that were just you know you have this competitors that sign on for the shows and then once it's done they want to do their own thing so i had a lot of drop off there um i have had about six signups i think since the seminar nice. um so, you know, things are steady. Um, I really don't want to be, you know, popping off too hard with adding too many new people. A lot of times I'm sending them to my coaches. Um, I want to keep a steady number um, so that I'm not overworked and um, can get to everyone. So I feel like I'm in an actually pretty good zone right now. Um, so I was fine with seeing some people drop and then uh, adding the six that I did. So I'm in a good spot. But yes, it's it, it was a great through COVID and it's been steady ever since. That's awesome. So Austin, we're going to get to your intro. I do have a question for you though. Do you What's have your up? fanny pack or do you have a cat shirt or cat socks on? For those of you watching on YouTube, you can see this. If you're listening at home, you're going to have to just kind of imagine in your mind's eye. Austin, you have anything cool to show everybody over there? So no fanny pack. It is in the other room. I'm reserving that for the uh, PEC seminar. Nice. But I do have my just this is just a classic it's the hug life hug life shirt <laughs> oh good know? lord so it's not nothing too crazy this is you know this one's been with me for a while it's been through a lot of training sessions <laughs> yeah so, it's not quite white anymore <laughs> no well it, it wasn't white to begin with it oh like, okay it, yeah it, it looks even worse now now it's like a yellow say, color. <laughs> it's like a cream color <laughs> <laughs> yeah this uh it's it's a little rough i'll probably leave this one at home for the seminar <laughs> Well, I tell you what, don't worry about it because since you don't have your fanny pack, I went ahead and made up yeah. for things. 
Those of you oh, watching I, on I, YouTube, I've got my gold <laughs> member fanny pack, and I've got my That's white trash thing. energy drink in there. So we're going to go ahead and kick this off in normal fashion, get a little white trashy. Austin, go ahead and let our listeners know a little bit more about you for those that don't know. Okay. Um, so as far as, you know, bodybuilding, coaching, I started in started weight training in high school for sports. I'd actually uh, had – and I found at the time most of the information that I was finding was kind of bodybuilding related magazines. That's all, that's all I could really find at the time. So I thought these bodybuilder guys know something, right? So I kept reading and reading. And, uh, after I was done with sports, continued with weight training, uh, ended up competing really at, right after I finished, right after I finished my senior season of wrestling, I decided, um, I was not going to pursue college wrestling. I wasn't quite sure at the time, but I did know I liked bodybuilding. Um, so I prepped for my very first show at the end of the year, you know, like end of my high school year. Um, started with the personal training thing, one-on-one, kind of like a lot of people did. Did, you know, one-on-one in the gym. Honestly, I didn't like it, and I really don't like it that much now. Uh, so, and it's like, you know, I was like, this just isn't quite, you know, I really didn't enjoy it a whole lot. Like I had those few people that I liked, but just in general, I didn't really like the concept of it. And at the time, the online coaching really wasn't, it was a thing, but there wasn't a lot of people making a career out of it quite yet. Um, you know, and the, a lot of the guys that were coaching still had other jobs, right? It wasn't like everyone was all in on it. So. I started picking up some people help with nutrition and then I was like, Oh, you know, I can make money at this. And eventually when I was able to kind of, um, outgrow my PT income with my nutrition income, I transitioned over full time and it kind of, it just grew from there. I mean, I feel like looking back, I took a really big risk. Um, just because like I said, it really just wasn't established like it is now, but as I was also young, I didn't have school debt. You know, I went to college. Uh, everything was paid for up front. So it's not like, you know, if I if I would have crashed and burned, I could have went somewhere and got a job. I didn't have any debt. I didn't have a house payment. Like, I didn't have any belongings, really, or anything at the time. No kids, no nothing. So, you know, I just, I just kind of went for it. Everything continued to grow. I worked hard. Um, and I am where I am today. It's been about 10, you know, 10-ish years, give or take, maybe – since I started doing nutrition uh, and I've competed a lot throughout that time. Uh, you know, lately have definitely transitioned last probably like five years into a lot of more of the alternative medicine side of things too, and helping people with hormone dysfunction and doing a lot of education stuff and seminars. Uh, for those of you who know me, you've probably seen me and, you know, me with Jason and John and some of the various seminars and stuff. So, kind of transitioned into that side of things, uh, metabolic function, female hormones, all that stuff. And uh, that's where we are now. Yeah, it's, kind of, it's been a lot. Uh, it's come a long ways. Yeah, man, you're, you're kicking ass, especially for, you know, if you just turned 30, like you're really far ahead of the game um, compared to a lot of coaches I know. And I consider you up there at the very top with, with a lot of the other good coaches. You know, uh, we brought you in. I brought you in for the Q&A panel at the summit last year to sit there and answer questions and train with people. And obviously, you're speaking at the PEC and you've got a couple podcasts. Um, you know, you are going to be part of the Physique Summit. COVID just has that whole thing fucked up right now. So uh, we've right. talked about that, but you're going to be a, a presenter there. So um, 
a lot of uh, a lot of good experience. What kind of led you to want to learn more about cholesterol for a guy that's thirty years old? Uh, most people, when they're thirty or in their late twenties, they're not really worried about cholesterol. Thinking about that, what led to you? And, I'll, and Jason and I can kind of chime in after we're done with what led to us want to learn about it. But what was uh, what was your fascination with it, or what made you want to learn more? You know, I think I think just the health, all the health topics in general were interesting to me because I did it. I saw kind of a gap in the industry. I saw a lot of people that were having issues, whether it be hormonally or like, or whether the cardiovascular health or whatever it was. And none of it was really talked about a lot. I mean, it, it is a lot more so now than it was. Um, but these, you know, these people were just basically, they were a number, they dieted them hard, they left them, you know, whatever. And then, uh, and I noticed that there was a gap there and there was a lot of people that did need that health aspect filled in in terms of their coaching. And I noticed when I started researching and talking to my clients about it, that it was received really well and that my clients started getting better results, you know, because now we're also making the, all their body systems work in conjunction. And then, you know, of course, having uh, more enhanced, you know, more enhanced clients come on, then it became an even bigger component because obviously, you know, a lot of the substances are altering their lipid profiles and, you know, altering their cardiovascular health. And I'm like, I have to know this stuff, right? I, I need to learn about it. You know, I'm getting these guys that walk around with single digit HDL numbers and high blood pressure for 15 right. years and, and they never even look at it. It's like, there's gotta be, there's gotta be a better way. There's gotta be some preventative measures going on. Yeah. And, and to kind of preface this talk, we can, we can say that you're actually giving a full presentation on this in detail. Uh, you sent me the slideshow. I've seen it. It's, it's an amazing presentation. Um, you're going to cover that in detail at the PEC uh, the weekend of October 17th in Colorado. We're going to touch on some of this stuff here. There's just no way to cover a presentation like you're going to give on a podcast, but we're going to, we're going to give an intro and give people an idea of what cholesterol is and heart attack risk prevention. Um, Jason, what about you, man? What was, uh, what was your link to kind of check out more in the cholesterol realm? Couple, uh, it's hereditary. Um, you know, my, on my dad's side, on the Theobald side, um, all the men pretty much have it. But the odd thing is going back four generations, everyone's lived to like 96 and three of them didn't even take cholesterol meds and they just ran with high cholesterol. Uh, my dad is on it and I tell him a million times CoQ10 and I think he's finally doing it, but he's on a statin, but it runs in the family. And so, you know, and I'm on HRT year round. Um, so that's going to impact it. Um, so it was part selfish and then part like Austin said, you know, you've got these clients who run PEDS and, you know, you've got to have a solution um, when these things come back in a negative light. So, yeah. So, you know, some of our listeners, they're, they're nodding their heads. They're like, yeah, that, that sounds like me. Or, or maybe you guys are like me and what I'm about to say. And I've talked about this on the podcast before, but if you're just now tuning in for this episode, uh, I spent basically all of 2019 trying to get my shit figured out. And it seemed like everything I did worked backwards. So, you know, I had LDL well over 250, um, well over 300 at one point triglycerides went from 123 all the way up to almost 200. Um, things were just going backwards. And what I was trying to do is I was trying to go from a normal, flexible dieting approach, hit my macros, just kind of eat the foods I want, to cleaning the diet up, lowering the carbs, raising the fats. And then ultimately I tried an approach to keto. 
And, you know, through a lot of fish oil and I mean, at one point I was taking 20 fish oil a day as part of my fats and everything I did was fucking working backwards. My numbers were getting worse and I'm sitting here going down the rabbit hole. And Jason, of course, you and I are real good friends. I was talking to you about this the whole time. And, um, you know, you're like, listen, dude, the only way I can get mine to budge is to go lower fat. Well, I wasn't on HRT at the time, but my damn testosterone was in the shitter. Like it was 190. So like on, on a high fat diet. And it finally took me going to a Nutridine conference over heart attack risk prevention and learning more about cholesterol to, to hear someone talk about the benefits of not just supplementation, which we'll get into, but also like a Mediterranean type approach to hitting your diet. And I, I was able to figure this out and we're going to talk a lot about this in the show to pair up with what you guys like to recommend. And it finally shed some light on something that I had no idea what was going on. So it's definitely a genetic component. I do, uh, I did 23andMe testing and I have the APOE4 gene, which basically says high fat diets, especially high in saturated fat are not good for your lipid profile. So that kind of explained what was going on. Um, guys, do you do anything with 23andMe? Have you checked out anything as it relates to cholesterol? Uh, I have not personally. I've done... Uh, I mean, about the extent of that type of testing would be like methylation testing and stuff. Mm. Uh, but, but you know, you can kind of see it. You can see it in lipid profiles. It does. You could have two people that like in and, and your case was interesting because normally if you lose weight and lose body fat, your lipid profile improves most right. of the time. But you have these some some people that you put them on a high fat diet or vice versa. They go on a really high carb diet. And, and it just goes, it just goes to shit. Triglycerides shoot up, you know, and, or, and, or HDL goes way down and it's kind of, it's kind of trial and error. Yeah. Let's, uh, let, let's go ahead and get into some of the myths, Austin. I'm going to, I'm going to throw it over to you since you're the guest. Let's talk about some of the myths such as, you know, here's the thing. Let's lay this out. We've got people listening to the show right now that they've, they've had their cholesterol tested or they're looking at it now and they're like, and they're freaking out, their numbers are high and they don't really understand what all this looks like. So let's cover some of the myths, first of all. Uh, what about the myth of, of cholesterol clogs your arteries? So if you have cholesterol, it's real high, does it actually clog your arteries and cause buildup and heart attack? Yeah, so, you know, first off you have, I think like what, what cholesterol is actually doing once it gets in the body, it, it circulates through the blood. That doesn't really mean that it does anything particularly bad. It doesn't mean it's sticking to your arteries. Um, it, there has to be, there's other steps that have to occur before you have plaque, right? And then we'll, we can talk about that stuff. But no, just because you have a high circulating level of cholesterol doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have a high amount of plaque buildup. You know, so it can be, and there's genetic components. Like I think it's largely genetic, the people like lipid profiles. I think there's a large genetic component to that. Um, other things would be your diet can affect it some, um, to some extent your diet definitely, well, I'm not, ju not just your diet, but like your, your overall cholesterol intakes only going to affect your circulating cholesterol to a smaller degree. It will some but not to a large degree, your liver will kind of control the rest of it. Like how much, you know, how much it produces or, or how little it produces. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, I think, I do think the numbers are important, but at the same time, if you're really worried about your lipid profile and you have other risk factors, 
you have to kind of dig a little bit deeper. You can't just say, oh, my LDL's over 100, you know, which is like normally the top of the range and, and freak out and assume that you're going to have a heart attack. Right. And that's, that's what a lot of people, that they just don't know. Uh, this is kind of an old school approach. They hear that your cholesterol's real high, all of a sudden it's going to get jammed up in your arteries and boom, you're going to have a heart attack. And that's just certainly not the case. The other the other thing people hear a lot about, and you know, we all heard this in school growing up, is you have to eat a diet that's very low in cholesterol. Like, don't eat red meat. I remember back in the day, they're like, don't eat egg yolks. Like, whatever you do, don't eat egg yolks. What's your uh, what's your take on that? It's so your body's pretty good at your body's pretty good at regulating its own production of cholesterol. So the easiest way to kind of think about it is if you eat more dietary cholesterol, your body's probably going to produce less you know, that type of thing. So it's, it kind of, it kind of counterbalances. That's why you see some of these studies or, you know, case studies where these people eat like 30 whole eggs a day. Right. And they don't have, and their lipid profile is fine or they don't have a heart attack. Cause I mean, if there was, if there was a direct correlation, these people would keel over in like two years, you know, they would, all right. They wouldn't last. So it's your body can definitely regulate how much, um, we could use say like endogenous cholesterol that it produces and that's going to kind of counterbalance with the amount that you consume through food. Uh, so yeah, like I said, it's, your body's pretty good at, um, maintaining that level. I, I would also argue that there's probably a lot of other things that are unrelated to cholesterol intake that probably change your cholesterol, like what foods you know, what types of fats you're eating, you know, how much sugar you're eating, like, you know, inflammation, all that, you know, so that's going to be more important than necessarily total milligrams of cholesterol. Yeah. hundred, hundred percent. And we're, we're going to get into that. So let's go ahead and briefly explain what people are going to see on their labs. They're going to see triglycerides. You'll hear us call them trigs here on the show. Sometimes you'll see HDL, LDL. Let, let's break down the three basic ones real quick. If, if you guys don't mind, let's explain uh, triglycerides and kind of the numbers most people will see. Yeah. So triglycerides are literally like a, think it was like a fat molecule pretty much, you know, uh, triglyceride numbers. There's, you know, you're going to see a little difference on the labs. I believe most of them top out at about 150. They want you to be under, under 150. I think is normally what the range goes up to. If you're looking at like uh, lab core, you know, numbers, um, triglycerides are not really a cholesterol molecule. So your LDL is your low density lipoproteins and your HDL is your high density. Um, those, or as they would call it, your, your LDL is your bad cholesterol and your HDL is your good cholesterol. And really the only reason for that is because HDL is kind of a transport cholesterol. It can help carry things. Whereas the LDL is the ones they, traditionally would associate with um, calcifying or, or I should say oxidizing and causing calcification. So um, the thing there again is um, you, you have to, you have to understand that there are other steps in there. So again, when you look at these numbers, you're going to see your HDL, your LDL, your triglycerides, that's going to be your traditional um, lipid panel. But hopefully, you know, we'll start to talk about some of the other things that are going to actually tell you if you're at risk. Yeah, 100%. So I, I know my uh, 
my trades were, like I said, they were pretty high. And I, I'm a numbers guy. I remember numbers really, really well. I remember it was 123, which was, eh, you know, that, that, that was okay. Um, and then it started to creep sure. up and creep up and creep up. And we're going to talk about supplements and stuff to change. But I can, I can tell you guys the number one way that I see any of the clients that I help get their trades down is to um, – I started using the injectable L-carnitine and that was, that was big. Jason, that was a recommendation of yours uh, because the way it helps push fat in a cell to be burned up and the way that you just explained triglycerides, it was definitely, it was definitely a game changer for me. And we'll, we'll get more into the other supplementation. Um, as far as HDL, let's, let's, I see that really low with most people most of the time, if they're not either one, not eating healthy, Two, not doing a lot of cardio, not a lot of cardio, but just not doing cardio at all. Like we see a lot of off-season bodybuilders are like, fuck cardio. I don't want to, and they don't do any, not, you, you hear people talk about doing it for heart health, but you, we can see that in relation to HDL, or they just don't want to take fish oil. Um, how common are you guys seeing low HDL numbers and, and what are the ranges you guys like to see your folks in? Um, H, so HDL two is, Genetically, most males have a lot lower HDL than females most of the right. time. And that's that's a hormonal thing too. It's funny because you can, there's pretty much a direct correlation between androgens and lowering HDL. So even like, even like you take a guy that has low T, like his levels are like 150 and you put him on TRT, even though he's still in normal range, his HDL can sometimes go down. Right. And not a lot. It doesn't, I'm not talking like it's going to cut it in half, but it can, you know, it can go down, but man, it, it is largely genetic. I mean, I, I really don't want to see anyone like bottom, bottom. I really don't want to see anyone floating right below 30. Maybe. That's pretty low. That's like, that would be pretty low for like a, a good baseline. I would really like to see them closer to 40. I do have some people that are fortunate that have like 50 or 60, Yeah, you know, um, but there, but to be completely honest, like I don't have them do anything different than the other people. It's just genetically they're kind of lucky, I guess. You know, uh, Jason, what do you like to see yours at, man, or your clients? Um, so you know, I've seen some horrible numbers like sixes, sevens from you know oral steroid use. I'm I'm right there with Austin above thirty for sure. I mean, I still get twenties, and you know when I see twenties. I usually try to, you know, do some sort of supplementation or you know, some way to at least support it. Um, I had 50 written down, you know, it was like kind of a gold standard for me, um, you know, but that's like, like he was saying, you really don't see it a ton anymore. I know mine no. float around 28 to 30 and I'm happy. Like it kind of sucks, but mine were never even great as a, I remember 19 when I first had my first labs drawn, I think mine were like 23 or something. They've yeah. never been great. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, yeah. that was 19 years old running soccer and, you know, but yeah. yeah. So it, a lot of genetics play a role there. Then you had HRT and everything else in there. And I see a lot of low numbers to be honest with you. Yeah. If I can get mine up into the forties, I'm really taking a lot of fish oil. I'm doing 15 minutes yeah. of steady state cardio every day. Yeah. I'm eating a low fat heart healthy Mediterranean type diet and that's a lot of fucking work just to get mine into the 40s. So I, I don't like to see mine or anyone else's dip. If, if a client comes to me and theirs is under 40, I'm going to put them on my fish oil. Um, the show isn't here for me to try and push my supplements, but I will link that in the show notes if you guys want it. 
Um, it's good. It's really high in EPA, DHA. It also has vitamin E to help with the oxidation of everything so you get more out of it. I'll link that up and it's super important to have something like that. But man, a lot of people just, they just don't go that route. They use a uh, super cheap fish oil from Sam's and places, Sam's Club and places like that. Um, you know, yeah. and it doesn't matter, you know, if you're assisted or natural, you've got to take those numbers seriously because Austin, my, I was cutting out here on my end. Did you talk about HDL and how it's kind of a carrier? Did you explain that? Yeah. So I said that, I said that the HDL is a transport, you know, it's a transport cholesterol, but also, um, like a really small side note, but I also think it's important is you should look at the total cholesterol. So like if you're, if your HDL is a 30, but your LDL is only an 80, that's a really, that's a pretty good ratio because, right. you know, your ratio is good. But if you're, if your LDL is 250 and your HDL is 25, not good. <laughs> you know exactly. what I mean? So like sometimes you will see people that have like a slightly lower HDL, but their triglycerides and their LDL are on the lower end as well. So that's, it's a better, it's, it's a better ratio, still less chance for oxidation that way. Yeah. I had always explained to me that the HDL was like the dump truck. It goes in and kind of cleans up um, any oxidative mess and, and kind of pulls it out. Is, is that your un, the way you would describe it or is that kind of off understanding? No, no, you're, yeah, it's, it's going to pull in. It's going to really help clear LDLs and clear lipids, right? That's, that's what it's there for. Yeah. Um, but, but like I said, if you, if we're looking at a ratio, yeah. you got to think if, if your LDL is 200 and your HDL is 20, like that's yeah, not a very favorable. There's not enough. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. But if you only got 100%. an 80, 30 can take care of it. Right. And I get that. Yep. Sure. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Really, really good point that you made. On a low fat diet, I don't produce much LDL or cholesterol. And like my cholesterol will be like 115. My LDL will be low, yeah. even though my that's just, is low. Yeah. that's just it. Like sometimes I'll see these people that go into their doctor and their L, their LDL will be like 110. You know, so it's barely over range, but yeah. their HDL is like 65. Right. You're like, well, you're good. It's yeah. awesome. It looks you don't great. Need, you don't need the statin. Please don't touch it. Right. Yeah. You know, so just kind of a point. It's a good point, though, to make. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, that, it's almost like a uh, don't miss the forest for the trees type yeah. comment that you just made that really kind of put everything into focus. Let's talk about labs. Um, I know the recommendations I like to have. You guys might have a different one. Um, I did a lot of studying, listening to a guy named Ivor Cummins, who to me is one of the experts in this field. And this his recommendation was always – get your labs 14 hours fasted, water only, don't have caffeine, anything like that um, to get lipids because the last thing you wanna do is, is go in and eat because that throws everything off because your circulating numbers are going to be up. And I remember when I was in the army, they didn't actually tell me to do that. So I was a young guy and I think I ate like fucking Burger King that morning or some shit. <laughs> I got my cholesterol done a few hours later and it was like, you know, my LDL is like over 400 and like, it was this crazy mess. Right. Um, so I like to recommend 14 hours fasted water only. Uh, we'll talk about the things to get on the test. Do you guys like to recommend anything different as far as fasting or anything of that nature? That's a pretty standard for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Let's, let's talk about what to look at because obviously people are going to get trigs. They're going to get HDL. They're going to get LDL. Austin, let's talk about breaking down the LDL because they're small 
particles, there's large particles, and that's where things really start to become important because someone can have a really high or higher or slightly above range LDL, but it's what makes up the LDL that's more important, correct? Yeah, so you could, and I had somebody, so I was talking about this with somebody the other day and they said, well, why, it's like, why do we even get a normal, a normal lipid panel then if it doesn't show its particle size? But right. you can still, there's still some good stuff. Like if you, especially if you're going through and getting blood work through your insurance or something and you're, most doctors aren't going to order a particle size because they probably don't even know what it is. They don't. Yeah. So, but like, even if you're just using your standard lipid panel, um, the main things that I would honestly look at, we talked about HDL and LDL numbers, but also um, triglyceride and blood glucose numbers are super important too. So if I, one of the things that I don't want to see is I don't want to see high blood glucose or even like high A1C and high triglycerides. Okay. So those, most of the literature will tell you that that is going to be high susceptibility to damage of the arterial walls. All right. So even if you're not seeing particle size, you can still look at those. And then also um, inflammatory markers are great to look at. You know, I mean, because essentially what you what you don't want is you don't want the combination of um, high circulating lipids and oxidation, but also high inflammation and high sugar, because now you damage the arterial wall, which makes the particles stick. Right. So that's that's what's going to that's what's going to make you susceptible to things actually sticking to your arterial, you know, your arteries. And that's what you don't want. So the panel isn't worthless. You can still get some good insight. But like John said, if you want to take it a step further, um, you can do a particle size, which is I know I know on life extension and private MD labs, it's called the NMR lipo profile. Uh, and what that'll show you is, well, it shows you a few things, but the main things that you're going to want to look at on there are lipid particle size. So your small and large particles. Um, in a nutshell, large particles, they could call them like your fluffy, soft particles. They float around. They're pretty much um, harmless for the most part. Your hard, dense particles are the ones that are oxidized. Those are the ones that we want to worry about. Those are the ones that will start to stick uh, and cause buildup. So... It's that's one you guys can order. You can literally go online and order it. It's and it's it's not super hard to read. Um, it's literally shows you like percentages of you should be in this, you know, lower percentile kind of shows you like where low risk is moderate risk, high risk. And then kind of the way that I like to do it is I like to do things in steps. Like I'll look at people's I look at risk factors. So like I'll look at the standard lipid panel and look at you know, triglycerides, blood glucose, um, maybe insulin levels, which talk, we can talk about that. Also, um, your HDL, LDL. And then it's like, okay, if they're on a tight budget, maybe it's like, do we need to get a particle size? Do we, do we need to see the next, you know, like the next step? Like, oh man, your particle size, like you got a lot of hard, dense particles. Like, I really think we should probably go get a calcium score done, get some imaging done, you know? So it's kind of like, look at it in steps, in terms of, and it, but hey, if you want to jump straight to the top, you could obviously, you know, you can right. obviously go. Can, can we clear up what it will say on the labs? Because I was always yeah. under the impression that large 
fluffy ones were good and the small BB like ones were bad. Yes. Is that what I said? You said yeah, yeah. It opposite. You said it opposite. Is it? You kind of you kind of yeah. mix. Yeah. It. So large large particles. Yeah, large particles are good. You want the large ones. You don't want the small ones. Right. Okay. And then, right. yeah, you're 100% um, how are the numbers presented? Because I've never looked at one of these. Like, are they a range or does it literally say too high of bad or, you know, too high of the large? Like, yeah. how, how do, how do the numbers? Show, it'll show you like, so it'll show you a range just uh-huh. like it would on a regular lab. And then it'll yeah. also show you, most of the time it gives you like a percentile. It'll okay. say like you're in the upper 25th percentile, which is, you know, or you're in the lower 25th percentile. So you want to be, obviously you want to be in the low risk factor percentile. So it gives you like, it gives you like that graph. Plus it just gives you the range. So it's almost hard to miss. You can read that graph Uh, and know whether you're. Yeah, it's, it's not difficult. Um, it, It gives you a couple other little scores on there as well. But, but yeah, I mean, pretty much anyone could read it. I would think. Yeah, usually I just wanted to clarify it for our listeners because I, yeah, I right. think I've looked at I one. Looked it up, <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, it, it, it's definitely a range. I'm actually looking at mine now. Most people, I get mine done at any lab test now, and it's loading now. And there's certain there are certain numbers I can't remember them off the top of my head because there's so many numbers that you're looking at. But it normally has you know, a low and it's got like a middle range. that's a certain color. And then you've got the high and normally your little, your little point will, will be in between. Um, so the small and the large are pretty easy to see. My small were always on the higher end, which is not what you want. Not what because, you, want. It, you know, you think about it, you think the small ones are the ones that are going to float through and you don't have to worry about, but that's not true. Like Austin said, the small ones are the bad ones because they fucking get in there and stick. Yeah. Um, and I always thought the large was bad. So, um, it's it's definitely interesting. Let's talk about, you know, someone's labs come back, they're high. Let's talk about some of the next steps now that you guys understand what these numbers are and what they mean. Um, Austin, you've talked about family history, genetics. We've all kind of covered that. Um, Jason, you have that. I know when I personally went to the doctor, before I went to uh, the conference to learn from uh, one of the Nutridine presenters, I tried to go to local doctors here and I went and saw a lady and I, and I had my labs from any tab, anytime, any lab test now. And I showed her and I said, Hey, listen, my shit's getting worse. I need help with this. Like, do you help with this? Do you understand it? And she looked at that and she goes, she goes, listen, I, I can, I can put you on a statin. She didn't even know me. This is 10 mm-hmm. minutes into the, into the talk. Right. So my point with this is, most doctors don't understand anything that we just explained. They understand the basics. They understand ranges. They look at your labs. They just want to make sure you're good in and out, but they don't really understand for the most part, unless they specialize in something like this. So most doctors you're going to go to, they just, they don't get it. It's almost like if you go to a regular doctor that doesn't deal with HRT, they're not going to, they're not going to know a lot about HRT. You know what I mean? Like you probably know more than they do. I found the same thing. And a lot of people just want to recommend, statins. Um, Austin, you, you brought out the calcium scan comment. So that was something that, you know, I'm going to try and find it and, and put it in the show notes. There's actually a really good movie about preventing heart attacks and it goes into the calcium scans and kind of how they came about. But a calcium scan is super important because, you know, you talked about, you know, high inflammation, high blood sugar, high insulin, um, all that stuff, even high cholesterol and blood pressure, which we'll talk about, when all that stuff is moving through your arteries, 
inside your artery, you have this, this lining called the glycocalyx, and it's almost like the slimy outside of a fish, right? So the higher everything is, imagine this if you're listening, the higher everything is that's floating through there, it starts to damage the inside of that, and then it damages the inside of the wall. So then your body goes in and it repairs that area, and that causes calcification. And that, over time, leads to buildup of calcification. It's, it, you think of a scab if you get hurt. It leads to those buildup barriers, and that's where everything can happen. That's where, and that's one of the places that people have heart attacks from. So you can actually go in and get a calcium scan done. Your doctor can recommend it to you. I, it costs like 100 to 150 bucks. You lay it, you lay there. Yeah, you go to radiology, you lay there. They have you breathe in and out a few times. It, it takes 10 minutes. And with all of this going on, I was freaking out and my cholesterol's high. I finally got somebody to get me a calcium scan and it came back at zero, which is amazing. That's what everybody wants. But the thing is, this thing will tell you how much calcification is built up in your heart and your arteries. And that's actually a pretty good predictor of heart attack risk. So if you come back and you guys can look at the numbers, I don't have them in front of me, but if you come back at 100, that's a little higher risk. If you come back at, you know, four or 500, they can say, listen, you're more likely to have a heart attack in say five years or 10 years. And it's a nice predictor because it's calcification. And, you know, a lot of doctors don't understand it because it's new. There's not a lot of research and studies on it, but I'm going to link that movie here in the profile. If you guys want to watch it, it was a life changer for me. It helped me understand what was going on. Um, but guys, we don't see a lot of calcium scans done. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, you don't. If you can, if you can get <laughs> If you can get all the way to the calcium score step, you probably have a pretty good doctor, you know. So you should you should stick with them. Like, but like John said, it's kind of that I'm, I'm going. We're going in steps because we're going to look at risk factors. So you got all these risk factors piling up. It's like we need to get some imaging done and actually see what the inside looks like. Now, um, essentially, you know, essentially when you start when you start having all these fats that oxidize and so these oxidized fats are, or these oxidized lipids, I guess you should say are a result of, you know, it, it can be a result of a few things, poor food selection, um, too high of blood sugar. Um, it could be result of genetics, you know, you're predisposed to that. So you can actually go in and see what's sticking. Now, another thing that, and this is where the rabbit hole just like goes a lot deeper is that when you look at the plaque on your scans, the one thing that the scans don't really show very well is soft plaque, okay? And soft right. plaque, and what soft plaque is, is soft plaque is more likely to basically like break off. So like it's, say it's already stuck and it, pieces of it can break off and then cause, you know, some junction to clog or something. Now, I, I from all the research that I've done on soft plaque, it seems like the prevention of soft plaques very much the same as the prevention of, you know, essentially managing the risk factors. And most of what I've seen suggests that if you have very low calcium score, you probably have very low soft plaque as well. Like you probably have, if you have very low hard plaque, you most likely have low soft plaque, you know, so it's kind of, and there's not a direct correlation. I have seen some people that have, have had soft plaque issues and have had like these weird freak accidents. But for the most part, managing the symptoms, or I'm sorry, like managing your risk factors is going to be more or less the same, you know? So um, 
but yeah, calcium scores are great. They're ridiculously cheap for what you're getting. I mean, it's a great preventative test. I think mine was like $98. Yeah, um, yeah I heard they're cheap. And they're so cheap. The heart, honestly, like the hardest thing is getting getting someone to prescribe them because you have to have a you know you have to have a referral for them. And a lot of the time, the doctor will have to be like, "Yeah, they had a they have chest pain." You know, they have to like basically make up that you have symptoms so they'll even do it, which is yeah. another great flaw of our medical system. I just you know, I just so, told my doctor, I said, "Hey, listen, I've got a family history. I made it up." Like my family yeah. never got blood work done. I didn't know. Right. I made it up and I said, I'm getting older. Everything's getting worse. Like yeah. I want this done or I'm going to go find another fucking doctor. So it finally yeah. took me saying that. Um, so if you're listening out there and you're, you're in this spot where you're really worried about your cholesterol, you've been down the rabbit hole and you're freaking out like I was, go get this calcium scan done. Um, I, I can't recommend it enough. You know, Austin, you, get, you brought up something and Jason and I have talked about this a little bit on the show before. Um, but you know, things like insulin sensitivity are, are so important here and seeing what your blood sugar is, because think about this. A lot of people don't monitor their blood sugar. They don't, they don't understand insulin sensitivity and cortisol is something that ties to this as well. And I can't tell you how many times we've talked about cortisol on the show, but when cortisol is super high, your blood sugar elevates and then insulin has to elevate to drive it down. So then what happens is you constantly have higher blood sugar and insulin elevated and it's running through your arteries. So if you're someone that over time, a long time, all this is happening, that's slowly going to damage the inside of your arteries. That's why, that's why doing things like insulin sensitivity resets and cortisol resets and monitoring your blood sugar. Guys, all this little stuff adds up and it becomes very important from a health standpoint. Is there, is there anything you guys want to add to that? Jason, I know it's, it's a, it's a passionate thing about yours to, keep people's blood sugars in good ranges, um, but it can actually lead to uh, more damage to the inside of the artery. And a lot of people don't realize that. Yeah. I mean, 100% it's inflammation. So go ahead. Austin. Yeah. You know, so I, cause I was, I was at uh, Dr. Serrano's office and he told me, he goes, I'm convinced that hyperinsulinemia, so high insulin levels and insulin resistance are, is the number one contributing factor to cardiovascular disease. And I agree with by far, like bar none, you know, and if you think about it, if you think about like, what do we have a lot of, we have like this whole metabolic syndrome, right? Diabetes, cardiovascular disease, like all these things that are kind of tied in and it's, you got to like chicken or the egg, like what's causing, you know, what's causing what are these people with diabetes having heart attacks, because of you know cholesterol or they're having heart attacks because they have really damaged arterial walls and high circulating lipids you know so so yeah like if you have these high insulin levels and these high blood sugar levels and it damages the hell out of your arteries um you you might even have like you could go get your lipid particle size done and you're pretty low on like on the end of the um dense particles but your arterial wall is so damaged that everything's sticking, you know? So I would argue that, you know, just controlling blood sugar is super important. Maybe a topic for a different time, but I was, I wish I could find it. I'd like to really get someone on that talks about it, but. I think that's why on my side of the family, even though cholesterol has always been terrible, the men live so long because 
uh, insulin issues are not an issue on the Theobald side. It's right. my mom's side. And I got that too. Thank That was great. Um, right. And, you know, none of them touched statins, but they worked till they were 80. Uh, they all ate pretty well. They were all thin. Um, not that you can't have insulin issues and not be thin, but I, I think you're right. 100%. I just wanted to add yeah. that. Yeah. There was, um, and there was some pretty cool, like there's been some pretty cool stuff come out about like low dose, like low dose insulin therapy for, you know, longevity and preventing heart attacks and things because these people are controlling blood sugar better. So there's, yeah. there's like some cool stuff out there about it. You, you'll just never hear about it. You'll and never hear about it because they're not going to let, they're not going to let no. the average Joe inject two IUs of insulin every meal because they think they're going to kill themselves. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, but I agree with you. Like, you know, yeah. it's going to let the beta cells rest and reset. But, it's, but you know, for, and, and to the point of our population of body motors, especially people trying to grow muscle, mm-hmm. you guys have to watch your blood sugar levels. Yeah. Yep. You have to, yep. you know, you got, you've got high blood pressure, high inflammation and high blood glucose and you walk around There's with it bomb. for years, you know? So yeah, that's not good. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, you know, it's something on, on my end, I really feel bad, but you know, I, I'm real big on learning from failure, but there for a long time, I just, I promoted extreme flexible dieting. I'm like, I don't give a fuck what you guys eat. Just eat what you want, hit your macros. And then lo and behold, here I come back with my numbers looking like shit, but also insulin sensitivity was shit. Blood sugar was constantly high because I was eating high sugary stuff. Inflammation was high, all this different stuff. You know, people think about flexible dieting to diet down, but they don't think about from the health standpoint of the ramifications. And I, and I really feel, and that's, you know, I've said this multiple times on podcast. I feel bad about that approach, but I, I had to learn from it. And now we're trying to put out information well, to help. Well, let's people. be honest, the genetic elite, it doesn't matter. That's true. That's I mean, a good point. Know, they don't have a lot of those problems, you know, um, some of my best natural bodybuilders who are, you know, do well in the, in the orgs, like, dude, there'll be 500 carbs and their blood sugars are 78 year round. Right. You know, they just don't have those issues. Um, so, so, you know, you weren't wrong, but I mean, a lot of us, you know, it isn't right for either, you know? Yeah, no, that's a good point. Right. Let's, let's talk about the silent killer guys. Let's talk about blood pressure. Um, especially important on the assisted side. It's important for everybody. Um, but guys go ahead and talk about blood pressure. If you guys have had run-ins with that yourself, how to fix it, um, Austin, we'll throw that over to you since you're the guest. Yeah, let him go first. That's um, so. That's actually the one risk factor that my family has a, a huge history of. So they didn't. I don't know that they really had so much a history of like uh, lipid profiles being bad, but a lot of high blood pressure. Um, so that was always something I was concerned with, and I noticed that mine was kind of borderline and kind of like crept up by a couple points every year. You know, just a little yeah. bit over time. Join the club, um, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, high blood pressure. I mean, there's, there's multiple factors, kidney function. And, you know, when we're talking to bodybuilders, kidney function is always going to be a big factor. Um, and it can be something, and there's multiple reasons for that. It could literally be like, especially really big guys that are carrying a lot of weight, a lot of fluid, you know, blood pressure tends to go up. Um, genetics, huge factor. There's always a genetic factor. Like my mom, my mom's like 112 pounds and she's, you know, 50, whatever, 50 years old or 52 years old or I, you know, whatever. Since she's, and she's a runner and she does all this stuff and she has high blood pressure. It's, it's you know, it's purely genetic in her case. Uh, so 
there's, you know, there's multiple reasons for it. Uh, it's something that's super easy to check. It's not hard to check. If you're a normal size person, you can use the damn cuff at the grocery store. If you're a bigger person, yeah, you, know, you can use your own cuff. cuff. <laughs> yeah, get, or get like the, the leg cuff, like the small yeah. leg cuff or whatever that they use. I but, got uh, man's cuff. Oh, yeah. Well, your arms are bigger than mine. So, <laughs> but, but yeah, high blood pressure, definitely a silent killer just because, you know, if we think about, if we think about circulation of all the stuff we talked about before and we have blood moving through even quicker, or we have, um, poor vasodilation. So like, you know, vein vessels are constricted. It's just increasing your chances of rupture and increasing your chances of like clots, you know, all these things. So, so definitely uh anything else you want to add to that no i mean the the main thing too like so mine went up as my this is funny because i'm losing weight right i dropped 20 pounds in 2019 dieting but my cholesterol is going up my blood pressure went up i'm like what the fuck is going and i didn't know anything about it at the time you know what i mean but my as my numbers got really high my blood pressure went high and there's always that correlation so that's not very common that you see that. Um, it's, it's pretty rare actually, but most people, they're gonna get their labs done. They'll see that their, their numbers are high and then they're and in correlation, they're gonna see blood, uh, blood pressure's high. So when they get everything fixed and they get their numbers to start coming down, their blood pressure starts to also come down. Um, there's other things you can take supplements for it, things like niacin, nicotinic acid, we'll talk about a little bit more about when we get to the supplement area. Um, but there's also ways that, you know, there's a lot of guys that run gear that they need to go donate blood, blood dumping. You, you hear of it talked about quite a bit um, because the last thing you want to do is have high blood pressure for a long time and you fucking stroke out. Um, so, you know, blood dumping or donating is a, is a, common, a common thing that you can go do to help out. Um, as far as measuring it, I know I've, I, of course, I went down the rabbit hole, like I said, and I was really kind of worried all the time. So I got a couple different devices and, you know, I ended up sending a lot of them back because they just weren't calibrated right. And they were off. I would get a, you know, a 180 number and then I'd get a, you know, a 150 number the, the next time I measured. Right. So you have to, you really get what you pay for. I finally just got the fat guy's cuff, like you called it, Jason, yeah. um, put it on my arm and trying to do it myself is hard, but really people need to elevate their arms. So it's at least at the harder above. You need to not talk. You need to just chill out and let somebody else do it. But if you have to do it yourself, you can. As long as you're doing it the same way every time, at least it kind of gives you a measurement. Um, but you can you can YouTube on how to check your own blood pressure with a cuff and and stuff like that. I've got an at-home Omron machine um, with a fat man's cuff. You can get it on Amazon. Pretty easy. Yeah. O-M-R-O-N. Do you get good readings off that as far as like, have you ever tried it back to back? I tried mine like, yeah, I try it back to back. I mean, it seems fairly consistent. I mean, you know, and I've tried it on before I've left for the doctor and it's fairly close. I mean, you know, once I get to the doctor, my shit goes up anyways. Um, Right. But it's fairly close. Um, It's better than nothing. So. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, as long as it's giving you those good numbers. So you said Omron, O-M-R-O-N, right? That's what I have, yeah, and a fat man's cuff. Yeah, just yeah, get yeah. The, the extra large or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, cuff, and then, you know, the cuff makes a difference. Yeah, it does. If it's yeah. if you're too if you're forcing yourself into too small, and you'll you'll have an elevated pressure. Um, you know, also keep your feet yeah. flat on the floor. Just chill out. Um, I I like to have people like if we're really having a problem, do it like 
three or four times a day because morning is going to be your lowest. And then like, but like, what if you're spending the rest of your day just jacked up, you know what I mean? And right. kind of taking average. Um, I, I, I like Cardatone usually brings me down 10 points. Cialis will bring me down 10 points. Um, no more than five milligrams. You could probably get away with three. Um, and, uh, hit cardio, keeping hit cardio and helps me actually. Um, cause I, I have all these problems. And then, you know, if you're a ped user, stay away from EQ, stay away from Anadrol, anything that's going to really increase red blood cell count hard. Um, and watch your hematocrit. Mine goes up and your blood pressure is going to go up. It's how sludgy your blood is. I mean, the higher it is, the thicker your blood has to be pumped. Uh, I mean, the thicker it is, the harder uh, your heart has to work. And we don't really want that. So blood dumping helps too. So those are just some other things. But um, I like Cardatone, um, Cialis. Um, I think those are my main go-tos. Yeah, I, I added that Cardatone after you told me about it probably yeah. six months helped, ago. Man. Yeah, I, niacin nicotinic acid is something. Oh, just over for overall um, cholesterol health too, but yeah. for blood pressure as well. Niacin nicotinic acid. It can't just be niacin. It has to be the nicotinic acid version. Yeah. Um, that's that's one of my favorites. We can go ahead and cover supplements now that we're there, guys. Um, the other the other one that I like to add to that we already talked about injectable carnitine. That to me has been crucial with helping with trigs along with the nice and nicotinic acid, but then odorless garlic. And you can get that in capsule form. You're not going to smell like garlic. You can just eat heads of garlic if you don't mind like smelling like that and excreting it out of your pores and having it on your breath. Um, but I just take the pills and they're, they're pretty cheap. I get mine off of, uh, off a couple different places online. It's pretty cheap. So odorless garlic. And those are kind of my goes to go to's along with cartone. Do you guys have any others that you want to throw in for just overall cholesterol health? A fish oil, obviously, there's that, but yep. what else? I'll let yeah, Austin it's just round out. You can, yeah, I mean, you guys kind of covered the basis. So you have, you got to think uh, kidney function, support your kidney function. That's always going to help with blood pressure. Like, that's why, why do you think a lot of blood pressure medications, they'll also be in combination with diuretic, you know, because aldosterone's affected. So it's, you know, so if you have good kidney function, that always helps. Um, I find, especially like bigger guys and pad users and stuff, they they have poor kidney function, so they have high blood pressure. Not, you know what I mean, like one cause the other type of thing. Um, and so that helps. Carnitone can help for over the counter. I use the Ky like Kyolic or you know that the name brand whatever right. odorless garlic. Um, so like as far as if someone were to go the medication route, there are there are some newer, um, are some like newer generations of medications that do help. We just did a pretty cool podcast recently with a harm prevention doctor that deals with a lot of enhanced, you know, bodybuilders and gym goers. And we're talking about ARB drugs, which are angio um, retensin blockers. Okay, so they um, they're they're really cool in that they have very little side effects, but they also help with blood viscosity. So. Like you guys were talking about, you know, thickness of blood. These drugs will actually help um, control blood viscosity. So hematoc hematocrit and hemoglobin, right? And they, they aren't super new. And there was a recall on a couple of these drugs and they got kind of scared away. But I think it's because, and you guys will get a kick out of this one. I think they found like traces of MDMA in the, in the oh, drugs. And these people were getting exposed to a bunch of it so they had to recall them but they've been since released again 
be like telmisartan is a pretty common one that you'll see uh, but they they it's cool because they work on what they call the ras cycle which this ras cycle helps not only with kidney health but blood pressure lowering um, but also there's a lot of anti-aging research um, shown with help protecting this ras cycle so if you need to go the the medication route that's almost always what i tell my folks to talk to their doctors about either that or like ACE, some of the ACE inhibitors are all right as well. Uh, you know, some of the older gen meds and like, even like I had people that had used beta blockers, they just felt like terrible. They felt God awful on them. So, you know, if, if you have to go the med route, um, check out the ARBs, talk to your, you know, talk to your uh, doctor about those. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about diet. And I know that's a hard one to kind of nail down because everybody is so different. But um, one thing I, I did grab my supplements here, I have a, a supplement, they don't make it anymore. It was called cardioxin. But one of the things that they had in there besides the niacin nicotinic acid was was phytosterols, right? And we can get a lot of that through diet and things of that nature. Um, so phytosterols- They make that now called cholestin, by the way. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. I've got, I bought so much of this. Like I've got a dozen gotcha. bottles of this, so yeah. I won't ever run out, but yeah. Cholestin, if you guys want to check that out, but the phytosterols in there, 500 migs, and I'm taking, you know, I'm taking that four times a day is a pretty good dose and that kind of stuff support, but you can also get that from the diet. Is there any approach that you guys have seen to diet that have, that have helped most people out? I know if, if I have to put someone on kind of a generic type diet, what I have found that works for everybody because we're mostly dealing with physique athletes or people that train in the gym multiple days a week. I like to take a higher protein approach, a leaner, higher protein approach, a little lower carb approach, you know, some, somewhere, and I'm not talking about low for everybody. I'm just saying at least carbs around the workout, maybe at a few meals, but almost a lower fat approach. And I don't mean low as in like in the basement, unless someone's on HRT, but you know, low as in not, you know, if you're a natty guy, you can get, 50 grams a day, but you don't need a hundred grams of fat. And I've just really seen pairing those macros with a Mediterranean type approach to foods that it's really improved people's lipid panel and, and cholesterol numbers. That's the only thing that would fix me. Um, so I tend to kind of gravitate towards that because it seems to be, and what I learned from the Nutridine conferences, it seems to be the approach that really will fix most people. Um, is there an approach that you guys like over others? I, I steer away from keto anymore um, because just a higher fat approach, you all almost always see the numbers go up, at least one of them. LDL just seems to really go up. And if there's a, and people have argued, well, if I have a zero on my calcium score, why do I care? Well, go back and listen to what we talked about. It's still a high number that's circulating through your bloodstream. Um, anyway, I'm going off on a tangent. Is there a dietary approach that you guys like to use that's worked best? I'll let Austin go first. Um, I bet we're probably gonna be very similar. So, yeah, I think, I think what you said is, is really good to be honest, as a starter, you know, it's just, and a lot of why Mediterranean works too, is because of food selection, right? So it's not only, you know, it's not only like the composition of the diet, but it's also the foods that you're using. So like most of the recommendations you're going to see are going to be are going to be things like control your sugar intake so you're not having erratic you know tons of erratic blood glucose and insulin spikes all the time you know you're going to see use fats that don't oxidize easily so things that have a high smoke point if you're going to cook with them you know things that don't um don't oxidize easily once consumed 
you know, don't use shitty rancid fish oils. Like John said, don't buy the stuff that's been sitting on the shelf. That's already rancid when you buy it, you know, um, you know, don't use like, like I said, poor fat sources. So things like, I don't think bodybuilders generally use a lot of stuff like that anyhow, but you know, stay away from excess of vegetable oils and, and, and all that. It's going to be a lot of, you know, it's going to be a lot of your monounsaturated fats. So your avocado oils, quality olive oils, macadamia nut oil, all that stuff. So it's more so, I would say it's like, it's more so like, first thing I'm going to look at is food selection within the macros that we have. Right. And that's going to kind of control blood sugar. Um, you know, I'll also look at like, that's why sometimes I'll look at A1C numbers just because some of these people, like I've had people that have like an 85 fasted blood glucose, but they have an A1C of like 6.5, which just tells me that they're probably having a ton of spikes up and down during the day that we're not really seeing in their, you know, we're not like seeing in their fasted glucose. So you just want to control that. You want to also control inflammation, right? Um, not tons of processed foods. As cheesy as it might sound, if you're someone that has high inflammatory markers, I'm not going to give them tons of gluten. I'm not going to give them tons of dairy, stuff like that, even though people say it doesn't matter. It does when it comes to inflammation for a lot of people. Jason, so yeah, you, food man? selection more so than I'm along the same thing. That's why I figured I'd let him go. Um, you know, I'm going to have, basically it's going to be a diet of moderation. It's going to look a lot like if I have to give it a name Mediterranean, but you know, I really don't give it a name. Right. Um, and then I'm going to have olive oil and I'm going to have macadamia nut, which he mentioned as well. I'm going to use omega three eggs. I'm going to get fish oils in there for fats. And like I said, it's going to be a diet of moderation. It's going to be super high fat. It's not going to be super high carbs everything's going to be fairly moderate and, um, go that, go that direction. Yeah. I, I was using quite, you know, some of the foods that I was using a lot of shrimp, a lot of fish, um, protein shakes were fine on my end cause I was using a natural protein. Um, and then I was using a lot of fish oil and then also, um, flax oil, which is pretty high in omega threes and people don't realize it's actually a pretty good source. Uh, most bodybuilders tend to stay away from flax because they think of, they think of um, it being estrogenic and it's not really that big of a deal. It's not like you're drinking bottles of it a day. So it's, it's something that, that really helped whenever I got all my numbers fixed, um, kind of gotten away from it. Need to go back to that though. Um, yeah, man, as far as diet goes, it just, that's where I, I think we all kind of agree. It's probably a good starting point. And if you ever want to check, play around with upping your fats or play around with your macros and kind of see how they affect cholesterol testing. Just make sure you fasted 14 hours when you go in, um, guys, do you have any, any closing points, Austin's or anything else that you want to talk about? This is a pretty good thorough episode. I think to at least get people understanding what their labs look like, understanding what cholesterol is and what it does. And, you know, we'll do a more in-depth advanced look. There's other ways you can break down the LDL and there's other markers we can look at like apolipoproteins and all that different stuff. But, you know, I don't want to melt anyone's fucking brain on this first one. And, and honestly, it's still confusing to me. Um, what else do you guys have? Is there any follow-up or any closing remarks you guys have? Um, I think too, just kind of what we said earlier is it not always, cause it, this didn't work in your case, but a lot of the time losing body fat and lowering your calories will help, you know, in most cases that's going to help, you know, that's going to help improve blood markers. So just if you're somebody like, especially if you're somebody that's chronically like that and you're already, 
overweight, you know, that you losing fat is going to probably 95% of the time improve your lipid profile and outcome. Jason, what do you got, man? I mean, I think that, you know, a lot of this has to do with kind of watching more than just one system of the body. You know, you've got to make sure that insulin sensitivity is, is good first and foremost. That's why I've always been a big proponent of getting that squared away and then look at diet and then, then add your supplements in as needed. Um, you know, a lot of times I will fix diet and go ahead and give a few support supplements as well. But honestly, um, you know, you fix, you fix the insulin sensitivity, uh, get the diet right. Um, not super high fat, um, and the right omegas. And I think, you know, you take those labs, you might not need a ton of supplementation after I, I don't throw a ton of supplementation at this. I usually go with fixing pretty much like just the body as a whole and then the diet and then see where I'm at uh, later. Like a lot of people work with me. I don't throw a ton of supplements at this right away. Yeah. I, I agree Other than your you. fish oils and your omegas and things like that and getting the diet right. Yeah. I, I think everybody needs that. As far as supplementation side, the only time I throw it at somebody right away is if they have like a family genetic history and it's just like, if they're like me and that's normally I deal with a lot of people that come to me they're like, Hey, your story is the same as mine. I, I take this stuff. I take it every single day. I take garlic every day, the niacin every single day, fish oil every day. And it's just something I know that I, I'm just going to have to leave in there to keep my numbers down. And by the way, when I got my numbers down, they were barely into range. So it's not like my numbers were outstanding. Like it took a lot of hard fucking work and not fucking around on the diet. Like I felt like I was prepping for 12 weeks at a time trying to go through all this stuff. And it took that much hard work just to get mine barely into range. So I know I've got to, I know I've got to stay on supplements, but it's not that expensive, um, you know, on, on my end of it, but I agree. You, you fix the, a lot of people try and throw a bandaid on this stuff instead of trying to fix the problem is the way I like yeah. to look at it. So guys, this has been a fun show. Austin, I'm going to link all of your information, your email, your social, you've got a couple podcasts um, that if people want to go listen to that, that you've, that you've had over the years, I'm going to link all that stuff up. If there's anything else you want, you can just let me know. So guys, if you're listening now, once now that the show's about over, go to the show notes, click on any of that stuff. If you want to order the fish oil that we talked about earlier, that's on there. Watch the calcium scan movie. That's there. Austin, man, we appreciate you. We appreciate you coming on, man. We'll, we'll have you on for other topics here in the future. Um, have fun out the PEC, man. I want to see you rocking the, uh, the fanny pack though. I need to see some pictures of that. Yeah, I'll have something good. I'll, I'll try to impress for sure. Are you going to wear sweats? That's the other thing I want to know. Um, Man, I don't know. I feel like, you know, the only thing now is that the other presenters, the way they have it set up with all the COVID and shit, we can't have all the presenters in the room. So we can't kind of giggle at each other, you know, so <laughs> that kind of sucks. But I'll do something. I'll come up with something. I might have to make an extra – you guys are going to actually make me leave my house and go buy something specifically for the event. <laughs> well, I tell you what, if you want to make fun of Jason, I've got plenty of pictures saved here on my laptop that I've used in my presentations or <laughs> at our last seminar. I'd like to fuck with everybody. So I've got some good ones, but honestly, you just go to his Facebook page and go to his old picture profiles and you can pull all that stuff off. So now I hope you guys have a blast. I wish I could make it out there. I've got clients doing a show, but um, you know, we're talking about doing some stuff with Jeff Black coming up. So, um, 
I, I, I really need to come to one of the PECs. I know it's going to be a good time. So, all right, guys, great fun show. Austin, thanks for coming on. We're going to go ahead and shut everything down for myself, Jason, and Austin. We're out of here. Thanks, guys. See ya.